a head with your chicken cut off or a chicken with your head cut off or something like that? That's this morning. Yeah, okay. But we're here. Hey, we're thankful. We're alive. We're, we're breathing. God's good. So we're going to get through this, all right? But it's good to have you all here with us today and uh, thankful for you. A couple quick announcements, all right? Um, first off, uh, this, uh, first off, let me do this one, all right? I was handed this one. This is hot off the press, okay? All right, here we go. Please announce, all right, seniors, outing September the 16th. That is th this Thursday? Okay, I didn't say that. I got to make sure. This Thursday, I don't know my dates. This Thursday, September 16th, y'all are going to be heading out from 10 to 2-ish, uh, but be at church at 10 o'clock. Where y'all are going is as your guess as good as mine, but if you want to know, uh, go see Danny, and he'll, he'll get you straightened out. Just show up 10 o'clock, and you will go somewhere, and you will come back, and you'll eat along the way, all right? So it'll be a good time, all right? You can't, can't beat that. That sounds pretty good to me. Um, another announcement, uh, partaking today, all right? Very important here, okay? I would mentioned it to the Tuesday evening crowd, so they've all been on pins and needles uh, to see what this is. But uh, this Sunday night, which is tonight, we're having a surprise Sunday night service, all right? You want to know what it is? Show up tonight. All right. That's going to be a surprise. I'm telling you. Hey, I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy, right? It's not going to be some sort of wild, scary thing, but it won't be a surprise tonight. I promise you, as the bulletin says, I believe it will make an impact on you individually as well as our church and the community, okay? So you can start taking guesses. You can ask me questions, and I'm going to give you the same answer that says, it's a surprise, all right? So if you don't like surprises, You'll love tonight, okay, because tonight's really good, okay? It'll be a good surprise. But please come out. I promise you it will be worth it. Uh, so if you can make it, um, please please do come. Uh, then as well, just a couple other things. Children's Church, just a reminder, has reopened. And so that will be as we dismiss them. Uh, when I get up here to preach, they'll go out one of the, this side door and head to the back. And then after church is dismissed, um, then parents, make sure you go and, and pick up your kids, okay? Um, then as well, the Lays Ministry is having their retreat coming up soon. Um, the September 30th through October 2nd. If you got any questions, please see Lou Ellen or Lynn, okay? And then also, I'll just mark it on your calendar. We're still a little ways out, but October's going to be here before you know it. We are having our fabulous family fall fling ding and chili cook off, and we're going to have fun, fun, fun till we're done, 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 all right? And so we're going to have a good time. I hope so. You look scared. Just come. It'll be fun. Um, but we're, as we get close, we'll have some more announcements and updates and things, but it'll be a good time of fellowship and, and stuff that night. Um, so bring your chili. We're going to have one group for, uh, all the chili that you could possibly eat. Okay. It's going to be there. It's just a whole long buffet of chili, but, uh, there's going to be some that you can vote for, for best tasting and another for hottest. All right. We'll have little taste cups and we'll have bowls for the good stuff so that you can eat mine up and all that stuff. All right. And vote, but, uh. But it'll be a good time, desserts and everything else. We'll have some stuff for the kids and things, maybe some door prizes. But uh, just come and mark that down and be praying for these things. Hey, we're still going to serve the Lord. And we're going to serve the Lord until either we die or he calls us out of here, okay? I don't know which one's going to come first. But let's serve the Lord. Let's love him. Let's worship him today. Let's fellowship with each other. And let's live, right? Let's live our lives. And let's live until we die. And to be absent in the body, to be present with the Lord, all right? And so uh, this morning, I'm going to go ahead, and I hope your uh, hearts are prepared to worship the Lord. I'm going to pray and ask God just to help us, to, to meet with us, because I'd, be, uh, I'd be a fool to think that not everyone here is, is either saved or, or doesn't have a problem or a heart issue or something going on or a burden, and the Lord can take care of that today, and I believe that He will if we just allow Him, all right? So let's pray and ask God uh, for His help and direction. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. 
We're grateful for another day of life, grateful that we can gather, we can worship you, Lord, that we can praise your name. God, that whereas we're about to sing songs, Lord, help us to not just um, mouth the words or to care what other people might think we sound like, but God, just to sing to you. Lord, we're not singing for anybody else this morning. We're singing to you. Uh, help our hearts to be prepared, to be clear, to uh, be focused on you and what you've done for us and who you are. And Lord, we do pray as well, God, that later on as the kids are dismissed, that they would be able to learn and grow in grace and knowledge of you, that it would be a blessing to them and the families. As well, God, that you would help the, the volunteers, Lord, that you would bless them for their hearts to serve you. I do uh, thank you for each one that just plays a, a vital role in making these services happen. And the God that we can gather, not just to see what we can gather, but Lord, most of all, to give you glory in all things. I pray, Lord, that today everything that we say, that we sing, and everything that is uh, spoken and preached today, God, would bring you glory and honor. And Lord, that today that you would fill me, allow me to preach your word boldly and accurately according to uh, your word. And that, Lord, that you would do great things today. God, if there's one who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, save them. If there's someone who's got a burden in their heart today, God, would you just help them to, to, to carry it or help them to lay it down today, Lord? Uh, but God, we do pray that you would do great things today as only you are able. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Savior and our God through it all. Hymn number 580. Hymn number 580. If you wish to turn there, we have the words for you. Through it all. second song is face to face one day we're going to see our jesus in person face to face now we see through a glass kind of darkly but then face to face when we see our savior first corinthians 13 12 hymn number 781 if you wish to turn there Face to face with Christ my Savior, face to face what will it be?
Christ is worthy of our praise and song this morning. So keep that in mind as we sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 5.12. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the Sin and shame and love you can. 
Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns, you reign victorious. said amen amen remain standing turn to your left turn to your right look behind you look in front of you and wave be sure you give someone a smile this morning we are glad you're here and you may be seated all right we have a very special treat now larry davis and wayne ross gonna have a little special song here for us and we're looking forward to it try to do a tribute to the uh, victims of 9-11. This is something I had to kind of learn overnight, but the Lord just laid it on my heart to do it. And uh, So uh, I'll never forget that day. And I'm sure the ones that are here that remember that you feel the same way I do. We're just total shock. Uh, It's kind of like the assassination of President Kennedy. You know, that's another thing that stuck in my mind. I'll never forget. Know exactly where I was on 9 11. Know exactly where I was. Alan Jackson wrote this song. Well, Alan said Jesus wrote the song. He just furnished the pen. So I'm going to try to do that song. What are you? Where were you on that world stop turning on that September day? Were you in the yard with your wife and your children or working on some stage in L.A.? Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against that blue sky? Did you shout out in anger and fear for your neighbor? Or did you just sit down and cry? Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones? 
Pray for the ones who don't know. You rejoice for the people who walk from the rubble and sob for the ones left below. Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they do? Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer? Look at yourself and what really matters. Well, I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch the news, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus and I talk to God and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us and the greatest is love. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? Were you teaching a class full of innocent children or driving down some cold interstate? Did you feel guilty cause you're a survivor in a crowded room? Did you feel alone? Did you call up your mother and tell her you love her? Did you dust off that Bible at home? Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep. Did you notice the sunset for the first time in ages or speak to some stranger on the street? Did you lay down at night and think of tomorrow? Go out and buy you a gun. Did you turn off that violet old movie you're watching and turn on I Love Lucy rerun? Did you go to church and hold hands with some strangers, stand in line and give your own blood? Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family? Thank God you had somebody to love. Well, I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch the news, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us, and the greatest is love, the greatest is love, the greatest is love. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? special song. We appreciate that, Larry and Wayne. That was a blessing.
to reflect back on the, excuse me, I don't have my mic. To reflect back on September 11th, 20 years ago, is still shocking and heart-wrenching. So our thoughts and prayers go out to all the, all the people that had lost loved ones, and there were many, there were many. But this day and time, we have a lot to be thankful for, for especially for God's amazing grace, and and I call it His amazing mercy. He He gives it to us every day, and so let's go in the word of prayer here, and let's ask God to speak to our hearts, renew, and revive our spirit, and give us a steadfast mind and help us to serve him and love him and as pastor said in Sunday school this morning love others truly love others so join with me in prayer as we have a moment of silence for your special request and then I will close in prayer after about a moment Father in heaven, we, we just thank you so much for all you do for us. Thank you, Lord, that you died for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and grace that you extend to us every day. Thank you most of all, Lord, for dying for us, but yet raising from the dead. You didn't stay dead, Lord, and you're alive forevermore on the right hand of the throne of God. We praise you for that. Praise you for your goodness. Praise you for everything that you are, all your holiness and righteousness and glory and majesty. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege and honor to be here today in your house. We just ask, Lord, you meet with us. And, Lord, uh, shake us up a little bit, Lord, with the Spirit of God. Renew and revive our spirit. And, Lord, give us that steadfast mind that you want us to have. And, Lord, help us to be more like you in our walk and in our talk every day not just on Sunday morning and help us to love others as you love Lord help us just be more like you in love and in our walk and in our talk and help us to trust you for all our needs and we'll give you the praise honor and glory for everything that you do in our lives every day in Jesus name we pray today is grandparents day and that's a special title and a role to have. And I can look around and I know there's a lot of grandparents in here today. And we know now, we know now why they call us grandparents because those kids, those grandchildren, sure are grand. Can I get an amen on that? Oh man, they are, they're very special. And we thank God for them. Please stand as we sing Grace greater than our sin, hymn number 344, if you wish to turn there.
And the word of God says, For sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Romans 5.20 Grace greater than our sin. Marvelous grace. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin. Guess if you're going to clap, do it now. You ain't going to do it after. <laughs> oh, my. I appreciate it. Thank you for the song sung this morning. Thank you for um, just being with us to worship at this time. Uh, any children for Children's Church, ages four to six, if y'all want to head out this door right here, you know, we got some helpers are going to go with you guys today. Ages four to six, Children's Church. I'll be that way. No extra adults are sneaking out, so we're doing pretty good. It's two weeks in a row now. All right, see if we can keep you guys, all right? Um, we're just like Children's Church, except you don't get animal crackers in here, all right? Uh, you get fried chicken after, and it's, uh, you got to furnish it yourself. So that's <laughs> Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be verse number 17 today, specifically the first portion, looking at the next piece of the armor. I believe that this piece of the armor today is absolutely critical. You'd say, well, you've said that the past like six weeks. Well, I mean it then and I mean it now. But I believe looking at yesterday and today, talking about 20 years since that day, and I was still, I mean, I was second grade, but still remember that there was a distinct difference between the world before 9-11 and after 9-11. And I remember that at that time. And even now today, if there's one thing that I believe that we need today as a church, as individuals, and certainly as a nation, it is what we're going to find today. It is this helmet of salvation. It is one, first of all, that we need folks to be saved. If you're not saved today, you must be born again. 
Now, we do not know when we will take our last breath. We do not know when the Lord is going to call us home and out of here and your last chance will be your last chance. Today is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow, not later on. It is right now and right now only. The offer is here and now. Would you take it? Christ loves you. He died for you even though you were a sinner. He died in your place. He not just paid for your sin, but bore your sin and became your sin so that all of those who put their trust in Him would be saved. And the great thing is this, that He's coming back again one day. For those of us who know Christ, that is our hope. And today, I believe this might be the most encouraging message that we've had so far. It might be the most, hopefully, the most encouraging thing I've had to say over the past two months. And I, I know that there's been awful lot of toe stomping, it's felt like that, my feet are sore, they're tired, my voice is tired, all of it, but today I want us to get a hold of what this means to put on the helmet of salvation. Today, if we understand what this is, you will not leave here today at least encouraged, if not, if you're uh, not, then you're just not listening. <laughs> or two, you're going to leave here if you're not encouraged by this, then it's because you truly don't know the Lord, and you need to put on this helmet, and you need to be saved. I want to read the context of this passage as a whole because this is the whole armor of God that we're talking about. And we need each piece. We need to understand it as a whole and how it fits together. And imagine as in your mind uh, this soldier getting his armor on, prepared for this battle. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. God, I thank You for your, your Word that we've been able to read, that we've sung to You, Lord. We've been able to praise Your name. I pray, God, that now You would help me. And Lord, there has certainly been a battle this week, and even now in my mind and my heart, Lord, I pray, God, that You would just... Clear my mind, clear my heart to focus on you, that you would fill me, allow me to preach boldly and accurately according to your word, that God, that each person that's here today, including myself, would have our ears and hearts open to what you have for us. Lord, I pray that you do great and mighty things. Lord, help us to expect you to do those things. Lord, you're still the same God who always has been and, and who has been powerful enough to do miracles, powerful enough to heal, powerful enough to, to save souls. And I pray that you would do those things today. Help us to see your, your power and your might and to feel your presence today through your word. And God, that your Holy Spirit would do what only He can. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. As we come now to this piece of armor, the helmet of salvation is the last protective piece. Now, you don't use your helmet as a weapon unless it's last-ditch effort, okay? There's plenty of stories of men who've had to use their helmet as a weapon, but generally speaking, your helmet is used to protect your noggin. Later on today, the Washington Redskins, not the Washington football team, I don't know who that is, but I still call them the Washington Redskins, are going to play their first Regular season game, all right? And now they will probably possibly lose. But if they do, I'm used to it, and I will still be steadfast. But I am hoping and praying that they win. But I do know one thing about football. Everyone that steps onto the field, except for the referees, have on a helmet, right? They've got big old helmets, and they've got stuff full of padding and everything else. Why? Because 
They are literally, as they believe themselves to be, going out to war. They're not going out there to play footsie. They're not going out there to play tic-tac-toe. They're going out there to smash into each other like a bunch of meatheads, right? And chase around one big old pigskin that's full of a bunch of air. But yet we're going to sit there and watch it, ain't we? That's what we do. And we're going to watch it. But you know something? Many of us used to be those same meatheads and chasing around a ball and everything else. And they've come a long way with the whole helmets. And they've done so because there used to be a terrible, and still is a terrible issue with concussions and, and issues of brain injuries. Now, I don't know if you know this, all right? I'm not a doctor, so don't quote me here. But if you lose your head or function of your mind, everything else is gone. Do y'all agree? Not sure? You might have already lost your head. That might be why you don't know what I'm talking about here. If your brain gets taken out of your skull cap, you will not be here. You're dead. You're gone. Right? If to, even so, we think about how the brain keeps everything else functioning. Right now, every breath that you're taking, everything that's happening in your body, everything that you decide to do, you know where it starts? Inside your, your brain. Right here. Right? If not, just you'll figure it out as you go. Right? Just give it a quick Google, open up a book, or ask your neighbor. They'll help you out with this. Your mind is of the utmost importance. Today, the devil is not just going to try to attack your heart. He's not even just going to try to attack you on the outside, but the first thing he's coming for is your head. And he doesn't come into this battle to play footsie or play tic-tac-toe either. He's literally coming for your head. In the day of battle of the Roman soldiers, they were the, those who when they took a swing, they were not swinging to try to maybe keep someone away from him. They were swinging for the head. If you lop off a head, the soldier ceases to be a soldier. He ceases to be able to fight you back. If your head is gone, you are gone. The importance of this, today we're going to look at a few things in regard to and take the helmet of salvation. First of all, we're going to look at the soldier's helmet. We have to understand a little bit about it historically because I'm looking out today and I see a bunch of hard heads, but I don't see any helmets, okay? Right? You're looking at probably the, the hardest one up here. If not, we'll get into a contest and we'll prove how hard our heads are, won't we? Right? We'll, we'll both win. Right? Our hard heads are nothing compared to this, this helmet. I want you to see here, he says, first of all, and take. He has said and, and, and all throughout this passage because the whole armor of God is made up of individual pieces. The same way that the church, the body of Christ, is one body yet many pieces and parts and, and members. It's together that these things become one, right? You individually are just an individual believer, but individual believers together become one body of Christ. Now, how about this? The soldier. It's been said, you know, it used to be the slogan, the army of one. I want you to know this, that in the Roman times, there really was no such thing as an army of one, right? You could be one man and you could have your shield, you could have your sword and all this stuff and be ready for battle, but you could easily be defeated by being surrounded or by charging into a bunch more enemy than what there is. They were meant to go in battle together. The same way that the armor was meant to go to battle together. You don't put on one piece and not the other. You don't leave any out. Now, as we find here, the word and here, it is given to show that the soldier uh, may have separate pieces, but together he makes up this one suit of armor. For one long battle. You want to know how long your spiritual battle is? It is until the day you take your last breath. Until then you fight on. Until then you keep standing your ground. 
Until then, you keep pressing forward. That is what we are called to do, to occupy until he returns. One needs the other piece together to make up this whole entire armor. Each piece needs and responds to the other piece. As we talked about the first thing, that is always worn. These things always worn. The, the girdle of truth, this belt of truth, that we're bound up with truth. And then the breastplate, which literally gets hooked on to the belt. If the one builds upon the other, the one needs the other. You can't have the breastplate unless you first have on the belt. Then we have the feet, shoved, the preparation of the gospel of peace, these uh, greaves and, and these shoes that allowed for movement and to carry you into battle, to give you, uh, to give you the, um, the movement that you needed, and to be able to stand your ground without being shaken or moved or, or sliding around. These three always worn at all times, but the next three that we saw, as we're going to deal with today, are to be taken up. The shield of faith, taken up. We talked about it. It's a, this giant door and faith and the helmet go together because then the next thing gets taken up. And before you go into this battle is the shield, is the helmet of salvation. Excuse me. So as one piece responds to the other and needs the other, each soldier needs and should respond to the other. Now the word take here is not like the other words take. It is a different word that is used. The word is dekomai. It is to accept deliberately and to receive readily. This is not something that you just kind of lackadaisically pick up and go, well, I guess I'm ready for the battle here. Rather, it is given in time of battle. It is the picture of this. The trumpet sound for the battle. The soldier already has on his shoes and his breastplate and his belt. And he just grabbed his shield and he's getting ready to get his sword. But the next thing that happens is that his helmet is given to him then to place on this helmet is given to prepare him for the battle because no soldier goes into the battle without his helmet on the helmet is so vital as we've talked about because the head is vital it one blow to the head which is where the enemy is aiming which is what the enemy is coming for and you will be out of the fight permanently but the word take here it is in the aorist imperative it means do it now right it, it, don't delay it means literally to take it up now, put it on. Don't wait. Don't wait another minute. Do it right now as I'm talking. Take this helmet. That's what we need. We, we need that sense of urgency once more. We need that sense of urgency in, in the battle for what is right and what is wrong. We need that same sense of urgency in our own spiritual battles. That urgency that means do it now. Put on the armor now. Don't wait until I go to church. Don't wait until many things get better. Don't try to wait it out. Put it on now. Literally, that decomai, it is to receive as a gift of protection for the battle. Now, if you are going to be given a gift, right, you have the option to either accept the gift or to reject the gift. Now, put yourself some 2,000 years ago in these Roman sandals and this Roman garb, and you're going into battle, and you're about to be handed a helmet, your officer on your way out the door goes, oh, hey, don't forget your helmet, and you go, oh, no, I'm fine without it. You're not going to do that. You're going to stop. You're going to put that helmet on now. You're not going to wait until you get in the middle of the battle. You're not going to even wait until you see the enemy approaching because the enemy could be anywhere. The call has been sounded and he gives it to you. Now, what will you do with that? Will you put it on? Will you leave it off? The issue here is that many who would leave it off would certainly face death, but every soldier in his right mind would want to protect his mind. The helmet is a gift. No soldier rejects the gift of a protective helmet in battle. 
Now, the helmet itself is the word perikephali. Peri meaning around, and kephali means the head. It literally means around or an encirclement of the head. It covered the back of the neck, the top of the head, I mean, the whole, the whole thing. If you want to know a little bit what it might have looked like, go watch the Redskins win today, right? And you'll see the helmet. It covers the whole thing. It's to protect you. Why? Because if you get hit with an arrow or a sword here, is it better to get hit here or, or there? It don't matter. You don't want to get in the head, right? One hit to the head, it will take you out. And so it helps encircle everything. The head is to the, the thoughts and the decisions. The, it sends the rest of the body in. Keeps it moving. Keeps it going. Keeps it functioning and operating. The priority is that this head of the soldier literally controls the rest of his body. Nothing else matters if the soldier gets his head lopped off by a broadsword. Today, there are many believers who don't have on this helmet of salvation, which really we're going to find is to be the helmet of our hope. They don't have hope anymore. They've lost their hope, they've lost their joy, and their heads are being attacked, and many have seemed to have lost them. We have many who are struggling in this battle because the rest of our bodies can't move because we have lost our hope of salvation and what it truly means to be saved. The protection of this helmet. It was a leather cap with a sponge-like padding in between and the, the, in between the covering of the heavy metal, it was either brass or iron, steel, some sort. It would cover it all the way around. It covered the entire head, leaving only a small opening for the, the eyes, mostly the nose and the mouth. You need those three things. Why? Because you need to, one, see where you're going, see where the enemy is. Two, you need to smell him. You need to smell the battlefield. There is something sinister, yet it brings about the reality of the smells of things. Smells, they say scientifically, stick with you a lot longer even than some sights and some memories. The smell of something just comes right back and you see it all over again. And the taste, they need to taste and, and to be able to, to move their mouth, to be able to shout at the enemy, to shout directions and order to one another and to communicate with one another. But they covered the, the back of the neck even, even across the shoulders to some degree. It covered their cheekbones. Why? Because these are fairly fragile if you get an axe or a sword at them or a, or a blunt weapon. And then it would have a chin strap, much like our common everyday uh, football helmets that would not only protect the chin, but then keep the helmet in place so it's not rocking side to side. It's, it's snug, it's firm, it's not going anywhere. Then the helmet ser- served another purpose. It would have a, often a, a crest on the top. We would see maybe sometimes in the old movies uh, with Roman soldiers that have got these big old feathers up here that make them look like a big old chicken. right? They, they have that for one decorative reason, so they look good going into battle, because what soldier doesn't want to look good going into battle, I guess? But two, they were mostly used for the fact that they could see who each other were, identification purposes. And you know what you and I put on when we put on the helmet of salvation? We are now identified with something. We are no longer identified by self. We are identified by Christ. If we have a banner, if we have an insignia upon our helmet, it is the cross. We are identified by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't march for ourselves. We don't even march for our own church's name. We march for Christ and Christ alone. You don't march for your own glory. You don't march to necessarily be seen so that others see how mighty of a war you are. You march for your commander in chief. I want to bring this now 
from the soldier's helmet, and we obviously know how important it is, to the saint's hope. The saint's hope today is this helmet of salvation. And I'm afraid that many Christians have lost their hope. They have lost their joy. They have lost their trust in the Lord as the days have grown darker and darker. God said He's going to come back again, didn't He? Yes? Do you believe that? I hope so. Two of you do. The rest of you are just not sure. Look, I want you to know this. Just because things are bad in America does not mean that Jesus ain't going to come back. It just might mean He might not come back when we want Him to. But He's still coming. As a matter of fact, I remember there was a time when a man by the name of Lazarus died, and when Jesus does show up four days later, that the sisters said, if you'd only been here, but yet He was still on time, wasn't He? He was still on time. Why? Because He works on His time and in His ways. Therefore, they should have still had hope. Why? Because as long as Jesus is alive, as long as Jesus is Jesus, there is hope. Jesus is not left on a cross, mind you. He's not still there. He's not still being crucified. He's he's been crucified. He's been slain for your sins. And He's not even still in the grave. That thing's empty. And right now, He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. That's hope of salvation. Full and final in a future. The saints hope as we're called here to take up this helmet of salvation. Remember that that helmet was as it means to take up. It is to receive as a gift. Let me tell you this. Did you ever take up salvation? If those of you are saved, did you take it up yourself or was it given to you? It was given. It is a free gift of God. There's not a single thing that you could do. Matter of fact, you could try to even make your own helmet and it will be demolished and you will be killed. There are many who are wearing the helmets of baptism and the helmets of false assurance and the helmets of, well, I walked an aisle and I got baptized in the river. Or even the helmets of, I'm a deacon. Even the helmets of, I'm married to a deacon or or a pastor or whatever. That's not a true helmet of salvation, is it? Uh, It's a man-made helmet that will be crushed by the enemy and will not keep you in the battle. Nor will it get you to heaven. Helmet of salvation alone. And so when we're called to take up this helmet of salvation, much as we just addressed here, it's to take up this helmet now, to don't wait, don't delay. We are to readily receive and must deliberately accept the helmet's protection. I cannot accept the helmet for you. Matter of fact, there's no one in this room that can place that helmet on you and strap it down and say, here, you're going to wear this whether you like it or not. Y'all are grown folk. Somebody might have laid out what clothes you're going to wear today, but you had to choose whether you're going to put them on or not. Right? You chose what you were going to wear. You chose how you're going to get here. You made that decision, and this is the same. Today, the salvation is being offered. Will you receive it? Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read for you. See, salvation is not earned, but rather it is received. God has offered it out there for protection for you and eternal protection from not just your sin, but from the lake of fire itself, from eternal flame and torment and separation from God, a place of outer darkness. That's what this protection is from. We forget sometimes what we're protected by a salvation. It's to protect us from those things that are very much real. We don't need a helmet of salvation unless there's a real danger. And there's a very real danger. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us this in verse 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. 
By grace are ye saved. The word grace, it is something that is given, not earned. It's something that is offered that no one uh, merited. Well, you cannot earn grace. You did not deserve grace. Grace is given just because God's God. That's who He is. It's based upon His merit and His character, not your own. Then, just over a few verses in verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. He does not say, for by grace are you saved through joining a church or walking an aisle. He says, by grace, saved through faith. And it depends upon what your faith is in, because if your faith is in anything outside of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your faith is in the wrong place. You have no hope. You are without hope. You are without true life. You are without forgiveness. You need to be born again. And it would not be by your works, but by simply knowing and trusting fully and completely in God's gracious gift of salvation. He says in that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, because if we could, we would. That's who we are. Now, salvation. <coughs> Many misconstrue what salvation is. I would say today, and I mentioned it in Sunday school, that if you weren't here, you missed out. You should come sometime. <laughs> salvation is key. Why? Because you are either saved or you are lost. There is no halfway. There's no in-between. There is certainly no purgatory at the end of this thing to try to get a, another chance or, or another lease or anything like that. You are either saved and on your way to heaven, and right now you know it or not. Because when we talk about the helmet, the, the helmet of hope, this, this hope of salvation, we're not talking about, uh, I hope I'm saved, but it's a confidence in salvation. When God saves you, you know that you're saved. However, through the years and the turmoils and circumstances, many of us lose that hope of salvation. We lose what it truly means to be saved and how great it is, and we stop reflecting on it as much. Today, I thank God that we could take some time, and, and, and hopefully you did so yesterday, to reflect back on that day. 20 years seems like just yesterday, but also seems like forever, doesn't it? The world changed, but you know something, let's go on a spiritual level. When is the last time you took a whole day just to reflect on the day you got saved? When's the last time you took a whole day just to praise God for that moment? Because if you've truly been born again, you will Never forget that time when Christ saved you. You might not know the exact minute. You might not know the exact pew you might have been in, or whatever it might be. But if you're saved, you know it. Believe one of the grave dangers of us who have been saved for more than a minute is that we stop remembering and reflecting on the goodness of that salvation. We have forgotten how good salvation truly is. We've forgotten what it means. We've stopped holding on so dear because the only hope that you and I have in this world is that salvation. I want to look at that now, that word. It means, first of all, to be rescued, to be saved, to be delivered, and it even has the idea of protecting and preserving something. And so we see all throughout the book of Ephesians that it is God who chose, God who called, God who convicted, and God who convinced us of our salvation. And today, I want you to know, if you are saved, you should be still convinced. If you're not today, there's one of two things happening. One, you don't know what true salvation is. Or two, you've gotten to where you've started looking back and going, well, I sinned, so I must not be saved. Or I messed up one too many times, so I must, not have, I must have lost it. If you can tell me the sin that makes you lose your salvation, then I will give you a million bucks right now. Because it's not there. If you can find chapter and verse, we'll go ahead and stop, shut her down today. 
but it's not there. Today, there are so many that put their stock of salvation and in keeping their salvation based upon their own works. I can't earn it, so therefore I can't keep it. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And therefore, that ought to make us rejoice. It ought not make us prideful. It ought to make us go, look at what God did. Only God could save someone like me. Only God could change my heart. Only God could do this. And you might not have felt like you were in the muck and the mire. You might not have lived that rough life or hard life. But you know something? Even you who were in church your whole life from the time you were a baby on, you still needed that same grace, that same blood of Jesus for you. No one is saved outside of grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone. That's it. If you've been saved any other way, then you are not saved today. You don't know about this helmet. You don't have this hope. You don't know what we know. And you must turn to Christ now and live. There's a threefold uses of the word salvation. When I immediately say you must be saved, we immediately think of justification, which is that moment in time where we are what the Bible calls a born again. What Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. Today, the message is still the same. But justification, the, the word here for salvation, it's used. It is our positional salvation. Our declared righteousness where we, uh, by God's grace, have our filthy robes and rags taken off of us with nothing but sin and shame and dirt and guilt. And then God puts upon us the robes of righteousness of His Son, Jesus. Why? Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is nothing good in you. Nothing good in me without Christ. And as a matter of fact, those of us who are saved, anything bad that you do is the work of your flesh. Anything good that you do is the work of Christ in you. That's it. But this is our position. We are saved, not over and over and over again, but we are saved on. It keeps going and going and going. There are hiccups in what we're going to find being our sanctification, our second part of salvation. But to be saved means that we have a new position, a new purpose. What about a new position? Here he says in chapter 2, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you in heaven right now? No, but you may as well be. He says if you're saved, you are already sitting in heavenly places. Your, your spot's there. This is as close to hell you'll ever be if you're saved today. It's close, as close to it you'll ever be. However, if you don't know Christ as Savior today, this is as close to heaven as you will ever make it. That's why you must be born again today. Take up the helmet of salvation now. Do it now. Don't delay. Don't even wait for an altar call. If you need to be saved today, cry out for God's mercy. Ask Him to save you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a guarantee. Why would you wait for that? Why would you wait for that blessed hope? Why would you wait to try to get it right on your terms? Because it's never on your terms. It's on God's and God's alone. Salvation also has a second tense. It is the present. It is what we would call our practical salvation or our sanctification. It is that we are saved, we remain saved, but we are growing in our salvation. We have our new position. We have our new uh, creation that we are. But now we begin to feed that new hunger, which is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And we're to feed it. We are growing in our saved state. We go from the positional in Christ to the practical of walking now in Christ in our day-to-day -day life. Many of us get that flip-flopped and we think, I've got to change my life 
before God will save me. Or I've got to keep my life changed in order for God to keep me saved. That's not how that works. It's either Christ and all Him, or it's all you. There's no in-between. It is all God. Lastly, salvation also has the usage of a future. What we would call a glorification. To be fully and finally saved. We sing songs, I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am. That doesn't just mean I got saved from my past. It means I'm saved from my present. Then I'm saved into the future. And one day, I'm going to be saved saved, meaning I'm not going to be here no more. When we're in the flesh right now, we still need saving daily, don't we? We need rescuing from our sin. We need forgiveness for our waywardness. We need that continued growth in our salvation. But one day, we step out into eternity. When we cross over from this life and into the next, those of us who are in Christ, that fight will be over. That struggle will have been won. It will be glorified. Fully and finally saved, saved, saved. No more sin. No more death. God secures the final victory. I think today, we have ceased to fight the good fight of faith because we don't realize how close we are to heaven. And we also don't realize how close lost folks are to hell. If we only had the urgency and the realization that heaven or hell is but a breath away, is but a heartbeat away, it should make you and I who know Christ to shout, to swing from the the chandeliers. It, It should make us excited. Why? Because heaven is just a moment away. That you can be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. And not just that, but even now, you can pray in heaven in just a moment away. Oh, when you got saved, you couldn't not tell. I mean, you told everybody. You witnessed to a tree stump if he'd sit there and listen to you. You'd try to get a wall saved. You'd try to get a pew saved. You'd try to get anything that was there saved. Why? Because you knew, I'm going to heaven. And now that you've walked with the Lord so long, now you go, well, I'm going to go to heaven one day, but i I got to be careful. Hey, you can be careful all you want to, but I'm going to heaven. I, I, you might not want to be on the next bus out, but I hope you're ready for that bus. That bus, he's going to be right on time. That bus driver's coming, he's going to be right on time, and when it's your time, you're going, whether you're ready or not. So you better be ready. And if you are ready and you got your ticket, then man, what in the world are we so fearful of? Why are we so afraid of heaven? Makes no sense. We're so afraid of heaven, but you know in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the heat of this, you know what this helmet of salvation is? It is our hope of heaven that one day this battle will be over. One day I'm never going to fail God again. One day I'm never going to sin again. One day I'm never going to goof up again. One day I'm going to have perfect fellowship with all of y'all. One day we're going to worship God with a fully and pure heart. One day. That's our hope. Our hope is not here. Our hope is not in the earth. Our hope is not in our family. It's not in our friends. It's not in the things that we do. It's not in our our government. It's not in our future here in this earth. Why? Because things are getting worse and worse and worse. So where's our hope? Behold, your redemption draws nigh. Look up, dear church. Look up. There is coming this day. Salvation works this way. Inward, justification. Outward, sanctification. Upward, glorification. One day, we're out of here. I'm going up. You might sit here. I don't know, but I'm going. Move on 
this hope, this helmet of hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <coughs> First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5 tells us this. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. That phrase, by the way, is the idea of the great day of wrath, the great day of tribulation. People ask all the time, what about the mark of the beast? What about this? What about that? You can wonder all you want. I ain't going to be here for it. I'm going to be with my Lord who died for me. You can sit and worry about what things are going to happen later on in life and in America and in everywhere else that's going to happen. Because, by the way, it's going to happen everywhere. I'm going to be with Jesus. That's my hope of salvation. Because he's not appointed me to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We're to comfort one another with these things. Our salvation one day is going to be full and final. That's what gives us hope and confidence and assurance to press forward to the finish line. If you're not dead, keep pressing forward because the finish line ain't there yet. You ain't crossed it yet till we graduate to heaven. It is not that we hope that we are saved. It is we have hope because we are saved. That's the difference. I don't hope I'm saved, but I hope because I'm saved. It's been said that a man without hope ain't living. How can a man live without hope? And this is not a hope that we're going, I hope it's right, I I don't know, I'm just not too sure. No, it's I hope that one day, that that when I'm here and I hear that trumpet sound and I'm out of here. I'm trusting it, I'm confident in it. Now, I believe it, and it is my hope that drives me through, that pushes me through. If I didn't have that hope of salvation, I don't know why I'd even be up here. Why in the world would we even come today if we had no hope of salvation? Why, if you had no hope of salvation, would you come and sit every week to hear me yell at you? And why would I come here every week to yell at you if I have no hope of salvation? We should have it. It should fill us up. And if you're not full of that today, Today, it's because right now, if you are saved, the devil has lied to you. The, the devil has put deception in your mind. He has caused division and depression. He has caused uh, a disorder and chaos. That's what he does. And it starts in your mind. Your heart will not believe what your brain has not thought. Your body will not do what your mind has not already begun to think. You sin first in your mind before you do in your heart and with your hands. And eyes and ears, nose, mouth, everything. It begins in the mind. The devil is coming with a broadsword to lop your head off today. You better have on that helmet of salvation and be ready to take the blow. Be ready to know that the devil might come, but I've saved. And that's enough. Faith and hope go together. You don't have the shield of faith without that helmet of hope. William Gurnall. Puritan writer, he says, First, faith cleaves to the promise as a true and faithful word, and then hope lifts up the soul to wait for the performance of it. Who runs out to meet someone that he believes will not come? The promise is God's love letter to his bride, and which he opens his very heart and tells everything. He will do for her. 
Faith reads and embraces it with joy while hope looks out of the window with a longing expectation to see her husband's chariot coming toward her. Do y'all get it yet? Jesus is coming. One day, all of his enemies will be treaded down. His wrath will be poured out. And you and I, who will dwell in righteousness with him, who will wipe away every tear, cure every heart, every ailment. Final and full salvation is coming. Like an expectant bride, we should be waiting at the window because as we talked about last week, faith looks upward and outward and expecting him to return. We say today, as we've already said, oh yeah, God will come back. But many of us have fallen in the trap that they did in the book of Peter where they say, they've been saying that for a long time. It ain't happened yet. It could happen in a moment. And when it does, it will happen in a moment. Today, our hearts should not say, oh me, oh my, it should say, yes, Lord, even so. Where is our even so come Lord Jesus at church? Have we lost our helmet of salvation today? We find that this helmet of salvation trusts in God's word, work, and will. I'm going to read a couple of Psalms for you quickly. Psalm 62. I got up here late, so y'all can sit for a minute. Psalm 62, verse 1. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How about Psalm 140, verse 7? It tells us this. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. With what? The helmet of salvation? How about this? Over in Lamentations, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. A generation, as he literally felt that he was alone. There's days that you feel all alone too. I'm sure there is. I know there's days I feel it. God, I feel like I'm the only one. I feel like we're the only one. Is this it? Yet there's still a remnant. God is still at work. Jeremiah had lost a little bit of hope here, and this is what God did for him. Lamentations 3, verse 18. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. What a sad state that is today. If that's you today, just hold on. He says, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Today, is that your heart? To quietly hope and wait for that salvation day. You might have already been saved from your sin, past, present, future, but to wait for the coming of the Lord. One day, one day, it's coming. Heaven, eternity is just a breath away. God's mercy restores our hope in Him daily. Today, if you need hope, look around. Today, if you need hope, feel your pulse. Feel the air come in your lungs. If you need hope today, look to the cross and see that His mercy is new every morning. Lastly, we look at this today. The Savior's hold. You don't hold on to your salvation. Salvation holds on to you. 
You don't hold on necessarily to Christ. It's Christ that holds on to you. If we were the ones responsible to hold on to Christ, we'd slip. Why? Because we get our hands filthy and covered in the muck and the mire of the world. Christ clings to us. We have a blessed assurance. The Savior's hold on us and our salvation is found in John chapter 10. <coughs> Jesus says, this is your confidence today. You ready? This is your hope. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. You know how long that life is? It's for eternity. Forever and forever and forever. When we've been there 10,000 years, we still got eternity to go. He says, And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. If you can lose your salvation today, then you are declaring that you are God and you are not God. If you are saved today, you can't lose it. No one can lose it for you. You are saved to the uttermost. And I know that I am. Do you know that you are? I hope so. We have such an assurance, such a blessed assurance that God gives to us, that He holds us in His hand, and nothing can separate us. Go read Romans 8. Nothing. His love is ever there. Our position remains there. Our anchor holds. The anchor holds. Is it holding? Are you holding on to it today? That helmet of hope. Today we come then to the final two verses I want to share with you. The psalmist in Psalm 42. Psalm 42. He was struggling here. The psalmist says in verse number 5, Psalm 42, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Today, if you're saved, I want you to know this last and final truth. Philippians 1.6 tells us being confident of this very thing that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That helmet allows you to lift your head in battle. It protects you from the devil's lies and deception. It protects you from moving your body and your heart to places it don't belong. Today, if you're grieving. Today, if you're discouraged. Today, if you're upset. Today, if like the psalmist you say, my soul is, is just cast down. I can't be any lower. Look up because that's what you need. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go so low that we lift up with His helmet of salvation and all we can see is Him. We see His glory. We see His throne. We see the cross. We see what He's done for us. And we ask Him, like the psalmist, Lord, restore to me the joy of Thy salvation. Pray it. Beg for it, and God shall supply it and give it today. I ask you this. First of all, do you have salvation? Not a hope so, but a no-so salvation. And secondly, I'd ask you this. To those of you who are saved today, 
One, are you longing for heaven? I mean longing for it. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. We're longing for a place that we've never gotten to go, but we know we're going to go. We know that we're saved, but sometimes our hearts get so downcast and what we need is to be reminded, like Jeremiah, that I don't remember my grief. I don't look back at all the bad stuff that's happened in my life, but I look and see that morning by morning there are new mercies. Great is His faithfulness. That is your helmet of hope, of salvation today. Do you know it? Do you have it? Will you put it on? Today, let's all stand. And as the piano plays, today, if you've got a need, if you need to be saved, come and I'll take the Bible and you can trust Christ and be saved. Today, if you're just struggling, if you're downcast, if you're discouraged, come today and ask the Lord to help you. And you receive that help you so desperately need from that helmet of salvation. Would you put it on today? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time. God, we thank You for the songs that have been sung today, Lord, that we can see and sing from our hearts about Your faithfulness and Your goodness and Your grace to us. I thank You for Your Word, and I pray, God, that today we would each be equipped with the whole armor of God, that we would be equipped with the sound of salvation. Lord, that we would not just, we'd not just go through this life just barely hanging on or barely living, but Lord, You've called us to lives of abundance, Lord, abundance in You. Lord, not the material things, but the spiritual. God, help us to live knowing You, trusting You, walking with You. And God, I pray that You would help each heart that's in this place today. God, that You would restore to each of us the joy of Your salvation. That You would remind us of Your faithfulness and Your grace to us today. God, we love You and we thank You. In Christ's name, Amen. We prepare for a closing song. I want to remind you, come back tonight for surprise service. I promise you it'll be worth it.
too. Amazing Grace, as we sing the first and fourth verse. One thing we should know, one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, but now I see John 9, 25. See you tonight.